Acts chapter, um, 20, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Um, this here is the very last part of the book of um, uh, chapter 8 um, that we're going to read tonight. Um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to see what God has in store for us. So let's follow along. Follow along with me as I read uh, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. This was after he was in, he was at Samaria. He was in Samaria after Peter and um, John came. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit was outpoured on the life of the believer in Samaria, in Samaria except for Simon, and then last week you heard the message of Simon. And here, the next part that we are given here is, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, That means Philip's work is done in, in, in Samaria. Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace. Queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seating in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. In his, sorry, in his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from him. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the tongues until he came to Caesarea. So we just want to ask God's blessing upon his word this evening. Amen. And that is Acts chapter 8 verse 26 to 40 for those of you that um, are following me. As we come to the end of chapter 8, brothers and sisters, we are presented with the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. One who, that means the eunuch who exercised genuine faith, or like I always say, saving faith in coming to Jesus Christ. Last week we looked at Simon, and we saw a man who exercised a faith that does not save, a faith that cannot save, and a faith, like you heard me, will not save. As I was reflecting on the last eight, 
on the last eight chapters that we have covered so far in the book of Acts, I realize that we are presented with several accounts of first-time experiences in the life of the early church as they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is at that time the gospel that they were preaching was known as Kergima. Or the primitive gospel, meaning that these apostles had no written gospel with them. They had no New Testament with them. It was, it was, they were the messenger. They were the genuine, the eyewitness and the record of what took place. And that's what they were witnessing. That was their, rec- that was their witness. That was their testimony. They were talking about their life and, and their testimony. Their message of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So they didn't have anything written like you and I today. But they were preaching the gospel. It was out from their life, everything that flows out from them. So what are some of the things from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 8 where we are today? There are a number of things that we see that happen for the very first time. Now, I'm going to spend maybe about a minute to go through them because there are several of these things. First, let me start with Acts chapter 2. We get a first the coming of the Holy Spirit. There was never any other record of the Holy Spirit coming upon the lives of the believer. Acts chapter 2, be a record of the promise that God will give, will send the Holy Spirit of promise. And we see the first coming of the Holy Spirit. Then we have the, the, the experience of speaking in tongues. For the first time, the believers not only experience the Holy Spirit, but they also as a sign and a seal that God now is at work in their lives and you got the speaking of tongues, the evidence that the Holy Spirit has come. And then you have first message preached by Peter in Acts chapter 2 and Peter stood up on that day after being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up and preached the very first message with such boldness. And the Bible says the next thing we heard was we have the first set of converts, 3,000 people. So you get the first coming of the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues. You get Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, first set of converts, which is 3,000. Then in Acts chapter 3, after that, you get a healing, the first healing that took place, the hands of, the, uh, of Peter. And John, as they were going to the temple, they healed the layman who was sick, who has been in that condition for 42 years. And then you have forced persecution. The apostles, Peter and John, were, 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 their message was being rejected. And they were also being persecuted for the name of Jesus. So you get this first-hand experience, the healing, then you get the, the rejection and persecution coming. Then after that, you get a forced prison experience. Peter and John were thrown into prison, Acts chapter 4. And then continue in Acts chapter 4. After that, at the very end, you have the first prayer. Prayed by the apostles. The church came together for the first time after Peter and John were released. And they went and the first thing they prayed and they say, God, give us more boldness. Give us more boldness. And then after that, in Acts chapter you get, you get the needy. The church just came together. And they were selling their possession and they were giving and, 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 and meeting the needs of the community. Everyone sold what they have and they were willing to give and share. And then after that, you get the greed of Ananias and Sapphira, the first two deaths. And then you get the first, two, the, the first set of deacons that were selected. 
that were elected to serve Acts chapter 6, to serve tables, to serve the widows, to take care of the fatherless and the widows. And the deacon board was formed with Philip and Simon and, and the rest of, of them. And then after that, you get a first person martyred, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 7. Simon was martyred for his faith, for the way he presented Christ to the, to the religious leaders. Then you have the first missionary. From, uh, from that martyrdom of, of Stephen, you get a persecution, the first mass persecution taking place. Then you get a first missionary and evangelist, which is Philip, to Samaria. And then you get the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit outside of Jerusalem, not on Jews, but on, on, on the Samaritans, where God was now going to fulfill his, his promise in Acts chapter 1 and 8 that the gospel must go from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria. And here you see this force outpouring on the lives outside of Jerusalem. And some people call this experience here um, a, a second Pentecost. But this Pentecost was, the first Pentecost was on the, on the Jewish people. The second Pentecost was on the Samaritans. And the third Pentecost, from what some people, for, for what they said, was going to be on the Gentile. And we're going to see that in a couple, coming couple weeks. And then you have the first account of a false believer a couple weeks ago. You heard me talk about the faith that cannot save Simon. And the Bible gives us that one experience, one record of that person who um, demonstrates um, a faith that cannot save. And then right now, today we read another account. Right now we have, at the end of chapter 8, we have the first account of a personal, of a pers of, of a personal evangelism and a conversion as well. One, a, one person and what is unique, brothers and sisters, in the book of Acts, as you can heard me there, as you heard me just now, there are about 12 things, force, 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 force of everything. That was, the, that was the experience of the early church where we are right now. And what is unique about our story today is that most of the conversion that took place of, of, of people come to faith in Jesus Christ were mass conversion. From Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 8, we see this mass conversion everywhere. People are being saved. From 3,000 to 5,000, many accounts that the Lord was added to the church daily. But never once a personal encounter, never once you heard, today we are getting that experience. It is until we come to this story here where you get the first experience of someone where you have a personal encounter uh, and, and talks about uh, their faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to explore the, the encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And to show how saving faith, brothers and sisters, is the work of God, not man. Saving faith is the work of God, not man. And that is the title of my message today. Last week we looked at the faith that cannot save. This week we're going to look at faith, or a faith that, that, a faith that saves. So before coming to faith in Jesus Christ, we forget that we are all, we are all separated from God. And sometimes we, we forget that, that we are separated from God. Our former state was that we are separated from God. We are lost and we are without hope. That's what the Bible says, that we are lost, we are separated. And Paul will write in Ephesians, he says, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, meaning that we are spiritually dead, spiritually lost. 
we have we have we had no life before before coming to Jesus Christ. We were unable to search after God or, the, or search after the things of God because we were spiritually blind. And it is through the redemptive work of Christ that caused us to pass from death to life in Christ. It is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that it, it makes possible for us to go from death to life. And it's only Christ, it's only God can do such a work in the life of a sinner. And Paul would say that in Ephesians chapter, chapter uh, 2 verse 4 to 5. Hear what he says, but God, but God rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God has made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, we have been saved. Now we are saved. We have been saved. We are delivered from the power of hell, from darkness, from sin, from spiritual blindness into light. And there are two sides to this story today that we're going to look at. Two sides to this story. And I'm going to break it down for you. The work of conversion is always the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of conversion is always the work of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we're going to look at tonight is that the work of the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in leading Philip to share the good news of the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit that led Philip to go and share the gospel. That's the first thing. And the second thing we're going to look at, the work of the Holy Spirit in preparing the utopian heart to receive the gospel. And then he responds by faith. He responds in believing. He responds in accepting. And, and we're, we're, we're converted. So first, let us look here today. The work of the Holy Spirit in leading Philip to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us look at verse 26. Turn with me. And I hope that Ezra is going to, is going to bring up that, um, that little picture that I put there. So when I read this passage of scripture, I want you to look at, at the map that is on the screen because I'm, 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 I color it so that you can see it. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now I want you to pay attention to this. Look at the map. Earlier we saw Philip. Philip was forced to leave Jerusalem. Jerusalem which was, which was south. He was forced to leave Jerusalem. And then due to the death of, of, of Stephen they were forced. So the persecution caused him to leave Jerusalem. To come upward into where? Samaria which was about 30 or 50 miles, I think, I can't remember uh, correctly, maybe about 30 miles upward. So he went to Samaria and was now being instructed in Samaria. We know Philip finished his work. We know that God called him to do all that he needs to do. The, the, the community turned their lives around. They received the Holy Spirit and God says, okay, leave there now. The Holy Spirit says, leave there. The angel said, leave there. And now go down southward. So he went upward north. Now he's going down southward. Follow the arrow to Gaza. Gaza is all the way to the southwest towards the coast, uh, um, to, to, to the coast, where he says, go down to Gaza. Gaza was one of the five cities of the Philistines in, in, in ancient history that the children of Israel had to deal with. 
And so, so Gaza is, is now renamed. So I'm not going to get into the, into the geography and the hist, his, history of that. But that's what God, Holy Spirit said to Philip. Leave there. You are here. You came up north. Leave north. Go back south. But here is where you're going to go. You're going to go to Gaza, which leads to Egypt, which, which, which will lead to Ethiopia. And that is how the gospel moved from Jerusalem to Samaria. And now we're going to see the gospel is going to move to the ends of the earth which is the gospel now is going to go further into the gentile world so the so so the conversion of the ethiopian eunuch the conversion of the ethiopian eunuch was how god used to further the gospel to the remote areas in africa and it will and, and this here what we are seeing happening here is a fulfillment again brothers a fulfillment of acts chapter 1 verse 8 and here what it says if you're following me as you see it on the screen but which is the holy spirit acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will be my witness but you will receive power sour when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses and what jesus says in jerusalem in all judea in Samaria and now to the end of the earth. This is how the gospel is moving. And then a couple weeks from now, we're going to see how the gospel is going to expand into the Gentile world further and further. But this is where history is in the making. This story here of the Ethiopian eunuch is history in the making because the, God, the Ethiopian eunuch will be the evangelist to take the gospel into Africa. But we're not going to get into Africa right now. We're just going to talk about this story here today. Now, the conversion, like I said, of the Ethiopian eunuch is how God is going to use to move and take the gospel into the, other, into the rest of the world. We saw the movement in Jerusalem, Judea, and what a mighty move of God. And here now, the gospel is going into the Gentile world, into Africa, into the Gentile world at some point. Now, why would God want Philip to leave Samaria and go down to Gaza? A desert place. That's what the scripture says. Tell him to go a desert place. Now I want you to pause for a minute and think about this. Why would God want Philip to leave Samaria and go down to Gaza? In, you and in your mind and in my mind at this point in time, would, can you imagine what must have gone in Philip's mind? Going, down, going from a place full, a place that is full of people, a place where the power and the presence of God and lives are being converted, which was in Samaria, to go to a place where there is no people, where there is no one. <laughs> go to a desert place, somewhere where nobody is. Maybe only there's one soul, one life, and that's what's happening here. God says, leave the multitude and go. Isn't that what Jesus said? That, 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 that he will leave the 99 and go to the lost sheep? He will go look, and that's what he has done for you and me, brothers and sisters. That God, God came down and rescued us because we are lost. And here God is seeing a man on a camel, desperate. You see, God had a far greater plan for not only for Philip's life, but also for the Ethiopian eunuch's life. A far greater plan. And a far greater plan, not only for their life, but also for the gospel. And you would, you, you would think that God would want to keep Philip in Samaria because of what was taking place. You and I would want to think so. Because that's the mindset today. 
But this here is a reminder to us that the building of the church and bringing people to faith is never, 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 brothers and sisters, about us. Jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we are just instruments in the hand of a holy God. And we must avail ourselves as earthen vessels fit for the master's use. That's all we are called to do. Be fit, be, be vessels for God that God can use. Not only to be used by God, but to walk in obedience to his command. We are to walk in obedience. And that's exactly what Philip is doing here. God says, Philip, go. And Philip was ready to go. Philip didn't say, God, you're using me mightily here among the, Philip, Philip, among the Samaritans. So why are you sending me? Philip, no. Philip says, God, you want me to go? I will go. And that should be the heart of every one of us here today. Our heart must be willing to say, God, you want to use me? I'm going to be used. Whether it's to sweep the floor of the church or whether to wipe the desk or wipe or do something, no matter how little it is, if God says to do it, we must be able to surrender our heart and our life to do it. And Philip could have been, Philip could have been like, like one of the popular preachers today. Philip could have, could have chosen to, to, to be one of those popular guys today. Started that has a mega church because he already had, already had a mega church. He had nowhere, no, no reason to leave. He could have wanting to be the pastor of that church. No, but what matters to him was that his obedience and, and, and heeding to the Spirit call upon his life. He, he could have wanted to choose to be the pastor of that big church. But no, he was willing to obey God. Evangelism, brothers and sisters, is never about the mass or the crowd. Evangelism is never about that. It is always one person at a time, one heart at a time. That is the reason why personal evangelism is important. That is the reason why every one of us is called to be an evangelist. It is important for us to do personal evangelism. Each and every one of us is called to share our faith with our friends and with our families and with our neighbors and those whom we work with. We are called to share and testify of the goodness of God. We sang that tonight or today. We are not called to build something for ourselves, but we are called to expand what God is doing, train and equip men, equip men and women to do the same, to make disciples. We are never called to hold on to God's work. We're never called to hold on to a group of people. We're never called to just hold on and be comfortable in a church building and say, this is my church and this is my ministry. No, we must be really willing and ready and be obedient to when God calls us to go. And that was Philip. Because we are not building kingdoms for ourselves. We are not building ministry for ourselves. And my dear, dear times when you look and you see names, you see people's names are, 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 are on ministries, you know, this and so ministry and this and so ministry. Yeah, but sometimes it, it points more to the person rather than to Christ and what God wants to do. And it's always our name. And here Philip was ready and willing to go. The Samaritan already heard the gospel and it was 
and it was time for Philip to move on. Why would he continue to preach to them when they already heard the gospel? Well, you could have said he could have spent their time discipling them and training them and teaching them. No, that's not wasn't the plan of God. God will raise up other men to do that. They already heard the gospel and it was time for Philip to move on. And I love what Os- Oswald J. Smith says. Oswald J. Smith, who, is, who was the founder of the People's Church in Toronto. I mean, Bayview and Shepherd area, for those of you who know the People's Church. It was founded by Oswald J. Smith. And Oswald J. Smith had this to say. He says, why should anyone hear the gospel twice? Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? Let me read that again for you. Hear what he says. Hear what he says. Why should anyone, anyone hear the gospel twice? Before everyone has heard it once. And that is the reason why. Why preach to the same people over and over? He says, go to the lost house. Go to the places where people have never heard it. And that was his heart. That was his passion. That was his desire. And, and, and he took the gospel and, be, and were obedient to the call of God upon his life. But let's look at verse 27. What the record give what what, what 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 Luke is giving to us. And and Philip, which is and he, Philip, rose and went. Philip went in obedience to the Holy Spirit leading. And there was an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of, of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. You hear that? This eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, come to Jerusalem to worship and now was returning seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading the the scrolls of Isaiah and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join him. So let me say something about the Ethiopian because a lot of people that believe that he was just an ordinary man. Just like Simon no, he was not, not ordinary. Each one of these men had an impact in the history of the church. The Ethiopian was a man of power. You hear what it says? A court official. That means he was a man of power. But also let's look at the name Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, it doesn't mean that Candace was the queen. That was her name given to it. It... it Basically, what, what they are saying here about Candace is, is the fact that, that they were called. Sorry, let me, let me go back to my notes here. Sorry. Yes, Candace was not the name given to the queen, sorry. The name Candace was given to the queen's mother who was given the power to rule in, in, in her son's place. She was given the power to rule in her son's place, and that was the name given to her. Now, the eunuch, there's something unique about the eunuch, that we, the, the, the name eunuch, and the way they were given these names, and you're going to understand from the passage of Scripture. First of all, let's read the law of Moses. The law of Moses forbade eunuchs from entering the temple in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1. He, let, let me read that for you. No one whose 
Here, what, here is the reason why it is important, why the, the Ethiopian eunuch was not able to worship. He came to Jerusalem to worship, but could not worship in the temple. In Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off. That means everything from the male is cut off. Shall enter the assembly of the Lord. That means they can't enter into the temple. The Jerusalem temple. Anywhere the temple is. These men are forbidden to enter the temple of God. Because one, their testicles are either are crushed or their male organs um, and parts are completely removed. And we know what we call that. When, they, when it's completely removed. Eunuchs, eunuchs, eunuchs were men who have undergone what we call emasculation. Which is considered a physical defect in, an ancient, in, in ancient history. And they were not allowed to worship in the temple among the Jewish community. Even though he was a man of power, he was still a servant. And reason being, eunuchs would never attain royalty. That's the other thing. They could not enter the temple. They were given power. They were given wealth. But will, they will never attain royalty. And these men were representing their country. They were given fame. They were given power. They were given security. And however, these things came with a price. The removal of their private parts, their productive organs. Which means they will never, never be able to have children and raise a family of their own. And will never and one, the other reason why that their private parts were removed is that they would never be in a position to be lured into temptation. So when they go out to do um, the, 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 the king's or the queen business, they were not going to be tempted by women because they had nothing to be tempted of. Because of this custom, they were considered trustworthy. They were a man that they could have trust that when they go out, they will do the king's or the queen's business. Not only trusty, but they were loyal to their country and their queen. But what we see here today, and that is a little bit about, so that you understand the eunuch, why they were Ethiopian eunuch, where they come from, who they were, what, they, what were the restrictions in their life. So the work of the Holy Spirit, first let us look at the first thing that we said we're going to talk about. The work of the Holy Spirit in preparing the hearts of the Ethiopian eunuch. This is where we are. And there are three things that demonstrate saving faith, brothers and sisters. The preparation of his heart, the providence of God, and the profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Those are three things that will bring about saving faith. The preparation of the heart, the providence of God, and the profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe personally that these same three things has to take place in the lives of everyone who come to faith in Jesus Christ. The heart must be prepared. The, it, it is the work of God and it, is the, and it is the response of us to what God has done in our life that we respond to the gospel. But God is the one who starts the work in our hearts. So the first thing, the preparation of the heart. Let's look at that tonight. Verse 27. And he rose and went and there was an Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to read back. Verse 27, a eunuch, a court official, queen of Candace, queen of Ethiopian, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, if he can enter the temple, 
How can he come to worship in Jerusalem? If you know that you don't have no private parts, you're forbidden because of this physical defect that you can't worship in the temple, why come to Jerusalem to worship? It doesn't make sense when we read the passage. It doesn't make, make sense when we understand the restrictions that were placed on these men's life and the things that they were forbidden to do. But why was he in Jerusalem? So he came to worship. He didn't say where he was worshiping or what he did. But his desire was that he came to worship and was now returning and he was seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah 53. That's what he was reading. And the Spirit said to Philip, you just go over to the chariot. And that is exactly what did Peter. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him, Philip asked him a simple question. Do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? Why would the Ethiopian eunuch come to Jerusalem to worship? Despite he was a man of power, wealth, fame, security. But he was not allowed to Worship God. I said, Philip, do you understand what you're reading? No, he didn't. He did not understand what he was reading. So here we are again. But the account that we're given in, 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 in Acts chapter 8 tells me that this man, the reason why he came to Jerusalem to worship, as the Bible says, was that this man was in search of God. His heart was in the right place, even though he had a restriction, even though he knew that he could not enter. He was still was able to come to Jerusalem in, in search of God. Because I believe he was a God-fearer. He was one who feared God. But there is something unique about why he made visit to Jerusalem, which I believe. He knew of the God of Israel. Because he was reading the scrolls. He was reading about this God in Israel. He knew that they were not allowed to enter into, into the temple. But he knew of this living God, a God who keeps his promise. The God of Israel who would one day keep his promise. And that promise is to restore the eunuch to the right place where they can worship him. And he knows that from the scripture because if he was reading Isaiah chapter 53, he must have already have read Isaiah 56. Because Isaiah chapter 56 verse 3 says that one day God will restore the eunuch. And I believe that he read Isaiah chapter 53, 56 before he read 53. Now let's read Isaiah chapter 56 and hear what it says. This is the reason why he must have come to Jerusalem. Because he know when he was waiting so that God will fulfill his promise. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold I am a dry tree. For thus said the Lord to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath. Who choose the things that pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Hear what it says. I will give him my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Better than the sons and the daughters. daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And you are a eunuch and you are reading this and you are saying God one day you will restore us. That it is not about our physical defect. 
He knew that one day this God was going to restore. He knew that this is what they're going to do. Heart, his heart was prepared like it says there. If, if those who choose to keep my Sabbath. That he was coming to Jerusalem faithfully. Choose to please me. Hold fast my covenant. I will give my house and within my walls a monument. And a name. And he was maybe, he was just believing God that God was going to do this work. The eunuch heart was prepared because he knew that God, this God of Abraham and Isaac will fulfill his promise. And he knew that there is going to come a day that he will not be able, that he will be able to worship God. A God who does not care about his physical defect. That one day he can worship this God who does not care about the color of his skin. Who does not care whether he is a Jew or a Gentile. He knew that one day he is going to come into a right relationship with God. And a right relationship starts with the right attitude towards God. And that's what he was doing. That's why he went to Jerusalem, I believe. To worship. Despite he knew that he was not going to enter the temple. But he was willing it's a sacrifice and being an obedient to follow after the things of God. It's to believe in God's word, believe in the promises and, and to trust in him and him alone. And that is, the, that is how we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because of the providence of God, because of what God is able to do. When Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? He's reading the scroll. He left, picked up a scroll from Isaiah and was coming back. Isaiah 53, he wants to read, wants to know more about his God. And Philip asked him one question. And the eunuch responded with three other questions. And that, that's what we're going to continue to look at, which is going to help us to understand saving faith. So we're seeing the work of, we see the work of God in the life of, of Philip. Now we're seeing the work of God in the life of, of, of the eunuch. And the providence of God provides a mean God's bring Philip. And ask him, do you understand what you're reading? Because he had no clue. First question. Hear what he says. Here's the first thing. He responds with a question. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He responds, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come and sit with him. But I love, I love his response. How can I understand unless someone guides me? This brings us to what a passage that Paul, Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Acts chapter, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Here what Paul says to them. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. What was he reading? He was reading the word of God. Even yet he did not understand. God provided the means for him to understand it. And that is what God does today. That is what God is doing today. Providing the means so that you can understand the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Raising up preachers and teachers and men. All around the world and all around the country to preach, to teach, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Philip was right there, not because of the right time, but because it was God's time. 
And that's what happens to every one of us. Hear what he was reading. Even though he was reading Isaiah 53 verse 32, he yet he could not understand. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb, before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from him? And the eunuch, second question, eunuch says, well, I don't understand unless someone can help me understand. The eunuch said to Philip, about whom, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? So basically what he's saying to Philip, as I am reading, I don't know whether the prophet is writing about himself, which is Isaiah, or he's talking about someone else. But he was reading the scroll. He was reading God's word. And here it is he couldn't understand. And Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture. What Philip did? Philip starts with the scripture. The word. The word of God. And he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Isn't that what Paul says? It starts with the word of God. The seed, the seed is planted in the heart of men and women through the power of the Holy Spirit. Philip began to explain Isaiah 53 that the servant that the, he's reading about is Christ, the son of the living God. You see, the, 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 the eunuch's heart was prepared to hear the good news of the gospel. The good news is about Jesus Christ. The good news is about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news is not about you and your story. The good news is not about you and your story. No, no the good news is about Jesus Christ and him alone. Philip did not tell him about the, uh, that, the, that, that the God was doing wonderful thing in Samaria. And, God, and, and lives were changed and transformed. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit was mightily at work in Samaria. Philip did not even get into that. He told him about the word, the scripture. And he told him about Jesus. Our witness is not about us, brothers and sisters. Our witness is not about you and me. Our witness is about Jesus he, we need to proclaim him and he needs to be glorified and he needs to be lifted up. He told him about the Lamb of God. He told him about the suffering Lamb who was now willing to lay down his life. Who laid down, now was willing, but laid down his life on Calvary. On Calvary. And then Peter, you remember Peter in, in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 Peter says and there is salvation when he stood before the, the, govern, the, the ruling body this, the Sanhedrin and the council Peter said there is salvation in no one else Shintoism, Buddhism any sort of ism there is no salvation in no one else no other ism there is salvation in only there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby which we must save. It's only through the name, it's only through the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you can come to faith. So we, have, we see, we see the, his heart was prepared. We see the providence of God in, in the man's life that God provides the mean. 
prepare his heart, provide the means for him to hear the gospel through Philip. Philip preached the word, tell him about who this suffering servant that he's reading about, explain the scriptures to him, preparation of the heart, the providence of God, and now the profession of faith. And as they were going along the road, they were going, Philip and him starting to talk, and they were traveling. The, the Ethiopian saw the water, some water, and here what verse 30 says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, see, here is water. What hinders me or what prevents me from being baptized? You hear the word, acknowledge his faith in Jesus Christ, and now is ready to baptize. What hinders me? There is nothing that hinders you from being baptized. You don't wait for baptism to come. You, you love the Lord. You give your life to Jesus. You go baptized. That's what the Bible says. Believe and be baptized. What hinders me? He says, there is nothing hinder me. I am prepared. I am ready. I'm willing to serve the Lord. I'm willing to, to testify of Jesus in my life. I'm not afraid of, any, of, of anything. Baptism follows repentance, brothers and sisters. When you give your life to Christ, you go and you baptize. That's what the Bible teaches. Baptism is an outward expression of the inward transformation or reality of the Holy Spirit work in, re in regeneration. In the life of a believer, the desire from repentance is baptism. Is that you now identifying yourself with Christ. And the, eunuch, the utopian was not afraid to identify himself with Christ. Some people say, well, I got to wait. I don't know, you know, I accept Jesus, but I, I don't want to be baptized. Why you don't want to be baptized? Baptism is a necessary thing for you as a believer to walk in obedience to the teaching of Christ. What did Paul says? Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live, I don't live now after the flesh. I don't please man. I please God who loved me and gave himself for me. And saving faith is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who prepares the heart. It is the Holy Spirit who provides the means to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give you the understanding to, to respond to the gospel. And it is the Holy Spirit who is responsible for the regenerating work in the life of a sinner. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If we confess, brothers and sisters, if you confess, if me confess, if we confess our sins, if we confess sorry, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, if you confess, if you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, not Lord of everybody else, but Lord of your life. He's Lord of your life. Not somebody else. Some people hold off. They say, yes, I want to be, you know, I love the Christians. I love to go to church, but I don't want Jesus in my heart. You, you, you're not ready to confess Jesus as Lord? Hear what the Bible says? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that's what the Ethiopian was doing. He, he confessed Jesus. He already knew deep down in his heart that he wants to follow Jesus. And that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Not that you are, you, 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 you might be saved. 
No, 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 no. You're, you're, you, you, the, the work of the Holy Spirit starts when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and you believe in your heart that he died for your sin and that he rose again triumphantly, victoriously to set you free from the power of sin, from death, from hell. And that is the work that has been done and accomplished for you and me, brothers and sisters. If we confess with our mouth, and that's all it takes to become a Christian, that is saving faith. You don't have to do anything fancy and work up. But then I love John 1, John verse 1 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, but if we confess... If we confess our sins, brothers and sisters, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. God is faithful. Not nobody else. God is faithful and just to forgive you. Yes, God forgives you. Every sinner who repents of their sin and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart, the Bible said they will be saved. But here, here what John is saying, forgive God is faithful and just to forgive you and forgive us of our sin. God forgives us. God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Completely remove your sin. And brings you into a right relationship with God. But we must acknowledge that we are a sinner and that we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. When the Ethiopian eunuch heard that that suffering lamb, that one who went, as Isaiah 53 was saying, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, he knew when he heard that that is the son of the living God, the lamb of God who gave his life. He knew that he was a sinner and that he needed a savior. And this is the savior who is going to restore him. Not because of the color of his skin. Not because of the defect of his body. Not because of anything. Not, not because of his race or his creed. But because yes, we are one in Christ. And that's what Jesus has done on the cross for you and me. Like you heard me several weeks ago. Remove the barrier. Pull down the walls of separation. Pull down the walls of, of, hate, of race and creed and culture and traditions. And he pull it down. And the utopian said, it's not about the color of my skin. And not the, not, not the defect of my body. But I can now worship God. Because God has truly fulfilled his promise. God has made a way. And that way is through Jesus Christ and through Christ alone. That is the reason why he was saying, look, there is water. Look, I have given my life to Christ. And look, I am going to be identified with this Jesus. And it was that Ethiopian eunuch who took the gospel to the regions of South Af to Africa. And that was the, that's how the gospel read Afri reached Africa. And you know what? There are many, many who came, church fathers who were men of God who came from Africa. Go read the church history. You're going to know how many came from Africa. But there's something more before I bring this to a close that I want to end with. There's verse 36 that we just read, which says, and, and they were going along and he says he wants to be baptized. But when you read your Bible in, in the ESV and in the NIV, you will not see verse 37. And it's not a mistake. Only in the King James Version you have a verse 37. 
you only have 38 from 36 to 38 in ESV and some and many other translations because many scholars do not believe that this one verse someone included that there to say that he con Peter, um, Philip asked him to confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that's not what it is but for the passage that we read tonight I'll read verse 38 and you can read verse 37 for yourself and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water. And Philip the eunuch, and they baptized him. Yes, he was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit said, Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch to, back to, to his place. And he was rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the tongues until he came to Caesarea. And in a couple of weeks' time, as we come closer to the end of Acts chapter um, the end of Acts, you're going to see the gospel reaching to where Philip or were, Azotus and many other places. And then Paul is going to take the gospel on, the, on his three missionary journey. And I trust and pray that, that you truly understand that, it is, that the saving faith is the work of the Holy Spirit to prepare the heart, to provide the means for you to hear the gospel, and also for the profession, for, the, for your response when you hear the good news of the gospel. That is, how, that is what God has done. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I trust and pray for if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, that you will surrender your heart. You will surrender your life to Him. That you will confess Him as Lord and as Savior. And repent of your sin. And allow Him, if you hear the gospel, as you prepare your hearts to respond to the truth of the word, submit and surrender your life. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for your word. Once again, God, we can so rejoice. Because all of what we read here today, all of what we understand here today, all of what, God, you have bear record and witnessed to our heart, it's the work that you have done in our lives. That's why many of us here tonight, those that are joining, oh God, by television or phone or whatever means, YouTube or Facebook, Whatever means, God, they are joining to hear your word, God. Everyone came to such a place in their life. Because it is through the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And God, it's time for, and God, we surrender our hearts to you. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, like Philip, like Peter, like James, like John. And Lord, for those that don't know you tonight, Father, for those that have heard your word, that are joining this meeting every Sunday and are hearing your word, and God feeling, God, it is not the time to respond, not the time to surrender their lives. God, I pray that you will continue to work in their heart. The same way how you prepare the heart of the utopian, the same way how you send the gospel into he, uh, and send Peter, Philip to deliver the word to him and explain it to him. I pray that many who are listening tonight will encounter you, God. That they will hear your word and be convicted through the power of your spirit and surrender their lives to you, Father. And those that know you, God, we pray that they will continue to serve you and be passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that everyone, God, will take up the challenge, oh God, to do our part in telling our friends and our family, invite someone and, and share the good news of the gospel. God, because you are the one that is doing the work and in our obedience as we surrender, surrender our lives to you, God. All we need to do is to speak and testify and share the good news of the gospel. And you will draw. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. And so tonight we give you praise. And give you thanks and honor and glory, God. 
Amen.